Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Nice. Good, good. Thanks. Well, last weekend we talked about teamwork, that we're all equal parts of the team with different gifts that we use to, to make up the team, but yet we're one body, we're one team for Jesus. Last week, our scripture came from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and at the very, the very last verse of chapter 12, I didn't read this verse last week, Paul's talking about these gifts that we have and that we're all equal, and then the last verse, Paul says this, use your ambition to try to get the greater gifts, and I'm going to show you an even better way. So that's how chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians ends. And then we move into chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, which is also known as the love chapter. So this love chapter is is about Paul saying, like, we, we are given these amazing gifts. And if we have these gifts, but we don't have love with it, then basically we're just a noisy gong or a clashing cymbal. Then in chapter 13, then it goes into the verses that are often said at weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not rude, right? That's a beautiful sentiment for the foundation of a marriage. But Paul is writing to the church. He's saying this kind of love needs to be in the church, All of these spiritual gifts that we are given, he's saying, we need to actually put them into practice. And Paul says we need to do that with love. Now, love is not a spiritual gift, but rather a fruit of the Spirit. But in order for us to even understand that kind of love, the kind of love that Jesus had, we need to train. Now, Paul loved to talk about training and races and such, and he is writing this letter to the church in Corinth. And in Corinth, from 586 BCE until the 4th century, every other year, the Isthmian Games were held in Corinth. Now, if we're going to rate the importance of games, we have number one, the Olympic Games, and then number two in importance in that time was the Isthmian Games. Now, these games included boxing and wrestling and racing, and they were held in the town of Corinth. There were winners and losers in these games, and you can bet that the church that was in the city where these games were held, you can can bet that they understood that they needed to train in order to win, that they needed to train in order to get the prize. So Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he writes this to the Corinthians, and he says this, Don't you know that all the runners in the stadium run, but only one gets the prize? So run to win. 
everyone who competes practices self-discipline in everything. The runners do this to get a crown of leaves that shrivel up and die, but we do it to receive a crown that never dies. So now this is how I run, not without a clear goal in sight. I fight like a boxer in the ring, not like someone who is shadow boxing. Rather, I'm landing punches on my own body and subduing it like a slave. And I do this to be sure that I myself won't be disqualified after preaching to others. Now, we'll get back to this scripture in a minute. But my husband, Tom, and I, we have an 18-week disc golf streak going that we're pretty proud of. I guess we're training to get better at disc golf. Now, we started disc golfing because uh, Joe Reeder took Tom out for the first time, and then Tom took me out, and then we've been hooked ever since. We love traveling around and trying new courses. We went to New Mexico last year, and so now we're up to 29 different courses in seven, seven different states. And since we've been keeping track, we've disc golfed every week at least once a week, for 18 weeks in a row, even when it was really, really cold a few weeks ago. Uh, when we told people this, people were like, you're crazy. Like, why would you do that? But we didn't care because we would just bundle up and we were dedicated and we enjoyed being out there. Like, I, I could justify going out there in the freezing cold because I'm really passionate about disc golfing. But here's what I don't understand. The people we saw outside running when the temperature was like a negative one million degrees below zero, right? Like we all passed those people and we're like, what are they doing? Well, I have a picture. This is Lori McCarthy and she is part of our Horizons family and she posted this picture on Facebook the other day. And it's a picture and she's outside running and she's smiling, she seems happy, like she's one of those crazy people that we saw running around. And, and it's pretty impressive and I thought, well, that's, that's pretty cool. And then I scrolled down and then she posted this, this uh, snap, screenshot. And it's a, she says it's a 1,826-day streak. Like, not running, yeah, I mean, okay, let's, yes. Like, this is not running, like, once a week, like we disc golf once a week. But this is 1,826 days. That's five years every day running outside. And so I reached out to her and I said, Lori, I have a few questions for you. Like, would you, would you help me out? And then she joked, she's like, yeah, sure, meet me in the morning and we'll go running together. I'll answer whatever questions you want. And uh, anyway, she didn't make me run. She answered my questions anyway. And so for, first of all, I said, like, Lori, like, why, why did you start this? Like, what, what was the motivation behind this? And she said things that, like, for one, she, like, wanted to be healthier. Like, she, she knew she wanted to do something, and she didn't really love running, or it was, running wasn't her thing before this, but she knew she wanted to do something. And she said she was also surrounded by people. Uh, her husband has an even longer running streak, I think, than she does. So her husband was a runner. The people that she worked with loved running. So she surrounded herself with people 
who loved to run and to move and to be active. And these people also were invitational. They were like, hey, you should come with us. And then she said there was also a link, the Lincoln Running Company did like a challenge to run outside every day in January. And she said she saw that about five years ago or five years ago. And so that kind of all these things kind of just motivated to, for her to get started. So then I'm like, well, okay, what did you, you have to have learned some lessons along the way as you were, you were doing this? And she said that she, she feels good and healthy right after after starting this run and she's able to keep up with her son which is important to her and then she said and she can eat extra calories without guilt also pretty pretty cool and then she said it's a good way to multitask she said that she'll she'll run with coworkers sometimes just to catch up on life or work she said she also listens to audiobooks when she runs and so if you love to read but you're like oh, i just don't have time to read well she found a way to both be active and read and then she said she also learned kind of about grace as in she gives herself grace to run shorter distances if needed. She said that like she, she makes up the rules for this. She doesn't play by anybody else's rules. Like this is her journey that she is on. So then I asked her like, what's your end goal? Like, do you hope to run six years in a row uh, or, or every day for six years, every day for 10 years? I'm like, what, what, what's, what's the end goal? And she simply said she's just going to keep on running until something gets in the way, like a major illness or something else like that. And she said it's just kind of part of her daily life. She said that she, she started running every day because running every day was easier than deciding which days to run and which days not to run. What if we applied that same thing to our faith? That we're going to follow Jesus regardless of what situation we are in. We're going to do things like read the Bible or pray or connect with others or worship or be in service. We're going to train every day to be more like Jesus instead of deciding when following Jesus will fit into our schedule. Now, Karen Harold and DJ Hawk, both part of our church family here, they both have just finished a Bible reading streak. I challenged uh, everyone to read the whole Bible in January, and they both finished this task. It was a big deal. I, I did it last year. I'm, I'm doing it this year, but it's already February and I'm not done yet, but I'm, I'm going, right? But they're done. They finished this streak. It's a lot of reading that they dedicated uh, and time that they dedicated every day. And, and Karen said, like, for her, doing the 30-day the Bible shred was a great way to keep her rooted in Christ. And she said it gave her a good reminder of the full story of God and Jesus. And DJ, he had all sorts of wisdom. Every day he would text me something that he learned from, the, from his reading. And it was so cool to see him. He's read the Bible a, whole, a lot of times all the way through. But he was still learning things every day. And then he said, you know, okay, now I'm done. Like, I'm ready for, like, something a little less intense. And he said... 
that he loves to be challenged, but despises being overwhelmed. And I think that's really important for us to consider too, because I don't think that God wants us to be overwhelmed either. But then we read in scripture just moments ago that Paul's telling us to train hard. Like he, he says, like, I'm landing punches on my own body and subduing it like a slave. Like that sounds more like running every single day for five years or reading the whole entire Bible in 30 days rather than just casually following Jesus. But, but Paul in this, this, this passage is trying to emphasize that following Jesus is important. And because of how we act and what we say and what we do, we will either give credit to or discredit Jesus for those who don't know Jesus. Paul also said in this scripture that we need self-discipline in everything. And that includes both training and resting. Self-discipline is when we move from being overwhelmed to being challenged and moving toward Jesus. Instead of, uh, maybe you are at the point where you are like, I can't hear another sermon where, where, where you hear that you need to pray more or you need to read the Bible more or you need to share the good news of Jesus more or you need to serve more. Maybe you need to hear today that God wants you to rest, to take a Sabbath, to take a break, and this Sabbath is modeled by God when resting on the seventh day. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 9 through 11, Moses just brought the Ten Commandments down from the mountain. And he says, six days you may work and do all your tasks, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work on it, not you, your sons or daughters, your male or female servants, your animals, or the immigrant who is living with you. Because the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything that is in them in six days, but rested on the seventh day. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, if you've ever been to a personal trainer or you are a personal trainer, you know the importance of both moving and working your muscles, using your muscles to build them up, but also resting and recovery. So we need to do both, right? We need to do both train hard, but we also need to rest hard. Because first, in, in Genesis, on the seventh day, we learn that God rested, and then Moses brings these tablets down with the Ten Commandments on them. And one of those commandments is to rest, isn't it interesting, like all the, all the Ten Commandments, like that's the one that we break most often. Like murder and stealing and commit, committing adultery, like those things, like we're not going to do those things, you know, for some of us ever, at least probably not once a week. But God is saying, here, rest. 
And we're like, nah, we don't need that one. Like, we just ignore that one. In Ezekiel 20, 12, the Lord says, he's, he's saying, I, I gave the Sabbath as a sign between us. That this, this Sabbath was something that would set the Lord's people apart from everyone else. So what, do we, what are we known from? How do we set ourselves apart from the world? I mean, people may know that we are followers of Jesus by our works or by our love or by when they see division in the world, but yet they see the church unified. But what if people knew that we were Christians by the way we honor God by slowing down? What if people knew that we were followers of Jesus because of the way we rested. Now, if we turn to Jesus, Jesus worked on the Sabbath, right? Him and his disciples were out in the fields doing things, and, and, and if we're to follow Jesus, well, maybe we don't, we don't need that rest time. The Pharisees certainly called Jesus out on it. The Pharisees saw the work being done on the Sabbath and went to Jesus and were like, why are you allowing your disciples to work on the Sabbath? The Pharisees were so interested in following the law exactly the way it is. And then in Mark, the the Pharisees questioned and challenged Jesus, and Jesus first responds with some passages from the Old Testament and a story about King David And then Jesus said, the Sabbath was created for humans. Humans weren't created for the Sabbath. Jesus claims authority over everything, even the Sabbath. Now, I've probably used this quote before, but it's one that I remind myself of often, and it's from a really popular book called Soul Feast by Marjorie Thompson. I read it for two different seminary classes. My mentor years and years ago had me read it. And it's the Soul Feast. It's a book about spiritual training or spiritual disciplines. And this quote in this book says this, If the word I hear on Sunday morning or during my private prayer has no bearing on the way I relate to my family, friend, and foe, or how I make decisions, spend my resources, and cast my vote, then my faith is fantasy. And then it goes on to say, God is Lord of our our whole life. And so we honor God when we train, and we honor God when we rest. The way we rest proves how much we believe God is who God is. But too often, we overschedule ourselves. You know, you know what I'm talking about. In 2020. The the year 2022 was the busiest year that I've ever had in my whole entire life. It, It wasn't the most challenging year by far, but it was the busiest year that I've ever had in my whole life. So 2022, I'm in full-time seminary. I'm finishing that up. So I'm going to school in seminary for full-time. I'm working as a pastor full-time. In February of 2022, I've 
Tom and I found out that we were moving in, and we would start at Horizons in July. And so that meant we were, we started getting a house ready to sell and we started looking for a house here in Lincoln. So I graduated in May, and then Lex, our youngest son, graduated high school also in May. So all the busyness that goes around with having a senior in high school. I was commissioned as a provisional elder in June. We traveled to Israel and Germany for for two weeks in June. We arrived back uh, at the end of June on a Sunday night, late Sunday night. Monday morning, the moving truck came to move us to Lincoln. So we moved to Lincoln into a temporary house because our other house was not ready. And then we moved and then like four days later, I started here. So then uh, Tom also started a new job, so that was a transition. We were getting ready to, or we were figuring out a, well, the, the new church, our new church home, and the, our new city, and there was so much adjusting we had to do. And then at the very end of 2022, we also became empty nesters. Now, it's 2024. We've adjusted to Lincoln. We love Horizons. I finished residency, which I forgot that I, uh, we, I started residency in 2022. So I finished that. We've adjusted uh, to being empty nesters. Our, our, our dog died last year, so now we don't even have a dog to take care of anymore. So needless to say, we are less busy now than we were in 2022. And now when I rest, sometimes I feel guilty. And God doesn't want us to feel guilty when we rest. And of course, there are different seasons in our lives where they're just busier. But God wants us to take that time and rest. Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for humans, not humans for the Sabbath. Like the Sabbath is not getting anything out of it. If we decide not to rest, the, the Sabbath, that's, it's okay. <laughs> we, it's us who benefit. Now you, I'm going to invite you to take a step today. And I don't know what that step looks like for you. Maybe it's putting Sabbath on your calendar and deciding how you are going to honor God in that way. Maybe it's starting your own running or movement streak to honor God by caring for your body. Maybe it's starting a Bible plan with others. Our Arise students, so that's our high school students, um, 18 of them started a reading plan in the YouVersion Bible app. So they're reading uh, a plan together. Uh, maybe your Sabbath will simply come when you just schedule time where you're, you step away from your phone. I don't know what it looks like for you, but, but you probably know. Now, Lori said that she can eat extra calories without guilt because she runs every day. And I, and I like thinking about it that way. That when we, we train, when we're following Jesus, 
Like we, we, we get to take rest without guilt. And that doesn't mean that we, we don't follow Jesus in our rest, but that we just allow our body to be. And that is honoring to God. 